Welcome to Wiggly Wigglers, broadcasting to the world from Lower Blakemere Farm. I'm Heather and I'm joined today by Farmer Phil. And I've gone around the wrong way and Richard. <laughs> Put him in his place. Absolutely. <laughs> Just as, when as you always. thought everything was going the same, I've introduced you the wrong way around. There we are. Well, what's happening this week? We've got Monty with his pig cast. Now, last week you will have heard that we're going to redefine the chocolate rating. It's a serious business. It takes some thought. We've been stocking up on various different types of chocolate. Pembertons have come in from Wales. We've definitely got Podchef's Divine. Green and Black has arrived. But if you have a chocolate that you need to send in to alter our chocolate rating, you can send it to Wiggly Wigglers. Lower Blakemere Farm, Blakemere, Herefordshire, HR2, 9PX, England. No, no, no. Heather, that is just blatant begging, isn't it? (laughs) Just send me your chocolate. That is just outrageous. Mm. We have restructured the chocolate rating. It is in place. We don't need any more chocolate. Yes, we do. We do. And please ensure that you don't just send one bar. Because I think it's important that when one is tasting chocolate, that you have it on a sort of daily basis. Because your taste buds grow and you need to feel the love of that chocolate. So big bars of chocolate, please, to uh, <clears throat> Wiggly Wigglers, Lower Blakemere Farm, Blakemere Heritage, HR29PX. And please mark them for the attention of Heather Mary Gorring. I don't know about big bars of chocolate. I think that's going to end up in big wives. <laughs> <laughs> Making wives even bigger. That, <laughs> that's okay, because I'm also part of Middle Age Shed, where barns reduced to shed online. <laughs> <laughs> Originally, we were called Middle Age Barns, and now we're called Middle Age Sheds, and we're hoping to be called Middle Age Kiosk. Golly, I think we've got some way to go. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. Sorry, it's only for effect for the podcast. Yeah, I don't right. read it really. <laughs> <laughs> be about your third sacking this year, then, Rich, for effect. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, I'll soon be airbrushed out as well. I wonder what, I wonder what Michael could put next to the Bokashi trench. <laughs> maybe. Come, a comes mass- to all of us. Yeah, maybe just a massive uh, courgette. Yeah, maybe. The <laughs> massive. <laughs> Talking of which, we've got our new catalogue is just about to come out. Mm. I love New Catalogue Day. If you can hear that, listener, that is the farm facts. facts. So that will be a fact of something of great importance to fill, like a DEFRA form, or a cattle movement form, or a wheat collection form, or most probably a buy one, get one free mobile telephone form. (laughs) (laughs) They're usually the sort of thing. (laughs) Who uses facts? So we're all sort of just dabbling in Facebook, and I know that you have, are a keen Facebook user. And I also know from my initial experiences that there, there are a growing number of people on the Wiggly Wigglers group. Can somebody who isn't registered with Facebook look at anything in Facebook just as a means of seeing what's going on? And how difficult, if you can't do that, is it to register? 
Well, it would go against the grain, really, for people to just be able to dip into Facebook because the whole idea about it is that you've got some trust built up between the people in there. They call it friends, but, you know, it's really acquaintances, I suppose, really. But then again, oh, in life, we call people friends and they're really acquaintances, aren't they? But anyway, the idea is that before I impart information with you, Rich, on Facebook, I know who you are. So to come into Facebook, you need to join. It's as simple as registering and setting yourself up with a profile. And it's free. Oh, yes, it's free. Yep, yep. And then you just find the Wiggly Wigglers group if you want to delve into it. At the moment, today, we've got about 180 members and they currently got 21 discussion topics on the go. Once again, there's 20 of them that are wonderfully useful and are going really well. And then number 21, once again, is cats, which sadly <laughs> does get updated on a daily basis, as far as I can see. Um, there's now 20 posts on there, yeah. and I keep trying to end it, but it's no good. No. <laughs> They're going to come back no, no, well, with I, uh, the dreadful thing <laughs> that is a cat, <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> it, was, it was an interesting one, because I, I thought, you know, let's liven this discussion board up a bit. Let's, let's put something about cats in there. And Roger, <laughs> who came to help us yesterday on Family Day, was talking about when he sat in on the Wiggly podcast way back when Phil and I had our hedge row. Yeah. And he said it was like, <laughs> it's great. He said, have you wound Phil up again recently? I said, no, I haven't really. And <laughs> Phil and I were rattling yesterday, and we haven't managed to aggravate one another for a while, so I'm kind of thinking that the time has come. <laughs> I tried to aggravate Ricardo by telling him that I had finally brought him round to my school of thought and that I'd beaten <laughs> some sense into him. And that didn't even wind him up, so I assume that is now the case. <laughs> that's, 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 I've just turned into this subservant, you know, forelock tugging. Well, he's obviously <laughs> been doing plenty of forelock tugging. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I don't have a forelock now. But... Facebook is good, and it was interesting about the cat debate, but the reason that opening a discussion about cats, for instance, might take us on to other things, and it, but it's good that people are able no, to express themselves. No, it won't. It just what takes I, what us I to cats. What I found was really unfortunate is that when somebody writes something and they post it and they suddenly think, oh, you know, perhaps I shouldn't have written that, because even though that's the way they feel, they feel as though they might be persecuted for expressing their feelings, which is a shame. Because I think Facebook is very much about things like that. You know, that kind of medium is very much about expressing yourself and not having a punch in the nose. But, but that's a good thing, isn't it? Because, <laughs> you know, you're miles away from everybody. So it's, it's, you know, but no that, that's the whole thing about what we talk about a lot of the time, is that yours and my discussions, arguments, whatever, in the past, they have resulted from people shooting their mouth off without actually thinking about the consequences. And when you do think about the consequences and think about the issue and actually give a measured response, you, as we found out, spend a lot less time arguing. I mean, I've always found that you argue with people that you tend to like the most, oddly, because... Oh, uh, Rich, I didn't know you cared. Oh! I don't don't, don't care, but no, what I'm saying is the people that you've got a bit of time for, you you know, your friends and stuff, your family, and you're always arguing, aren't you, about various things, because it it means something for for your friends to be able to appreciate your opinions, and otherwise, you know, why are you going to bother? I think you're right. Unless you're a politician. Yeah, I think you're right. But I think that the difference between Facebook and normal life and things like this and normal life is that in the pub you might have an argument and it's forgotten about 
in two days time yeah but on facebook it is there for a heck of a long period yeah and so although they do become less important they're always there and you can always go back to them i quite like that because it can show how your views can change as well which is quite good it can actually there is there is that because then you can trawl through previous yeah. responses and then see how people might come round to your yeah. train of thought but for those people who think that it's just a big row on Facebook, it's not. It's a really, really nice community. It's lovely seeing all our listeners as well as our Wiggly customers online and finding out about their gardens and their lives. Mm. You know, we, I've just found a great contact called April Simpson right. who actually draws... They're sort of in between cartoons and pictures, I suppose, and we're going to use her in the next Wiggly catalogue. Excellent. There we are. Okay, so talking about the next Wiggly catalogue, let's go to a Monty Pig cast, shall we? We'll talk about the next catalogue, let's go to a, let's go to a pig cast, or is there? There's another prime example of slickness, I think. Yeah, yeah. I thought the pigs yesterday were superb, the way those kids went in with the pigs. I mean, I'm glad I did that big lengthy risk assessment beforehand. But it was, it was superb, little tiny tackers in there with those big old soft pigs. Completely non-aggressive, just tickle me, just scratch me. Oh, it's great. Well, we had to overcome the fact that we got some noisy kids and some really demure kids. I must tell the listener that yesterday we had a family day, so that's why they're wittering on about this. Family day yesterday at Wiggly Wigglers. What, I don't know, 12 families or so? How many? About 25 people altogether. About 25 anyway, people. whatever. Yeah. Came along and enjoyed the Ricardo experience <laughs> and went into the pigs. <laughs> yeah, well, Did you tickle them then? Well, yeah, because I mean, all, I remember when I was that age, the first time you scratch or touch a pig, it doesn't feel like you think it's going to. And then I asked the kids, what did you expect the pig to feel like? You know, soft and pink and furry. And they said, yeah, and of course they're bristly and scratchy. Yeah. And then, of course, you set them to scratch the pig until it falls over in ecstasy, and that just cracks them up. I mean, they just thought that was fantastic. And the pig duly keeled over. <laughs> Isn't it incredible? Yeah, I mean, they're amazing. To think those things were, eight weeks ago, were practically wild, and now they're letting a whole host of kiddiewinks run around them and scratch behind their ears. Monty's Pigcast, a weekly fact on pigs. Fishermen were very suspicious of pigs and would never say the word out loud. Thank, Thank you, Monty. I've got an email in a couple of weeks ago from Patrice Reed, and she says, Hi Heather, since the beginning of your podcasts, I've been wondering, what's milk or chocolate? I rang my friends in New Zealand, what would they know? And they didn't have a clue. I got my friend Lucy who just went on a garden tour in England to hunt for it. <laughs> no one she spoke to had ever heard of it. One lady reckoned it was French. It must be rather nice if it's top of the chocolate rating. Lucy's husband brought me back a Nestle Milky Bar, hoping that that would satisfy my curiosity. However, we all know what rating Nestle falls into. The one rating one for inedible. Yes, you can't have a milky bar. Definitely not, Patrice. Also, I asked Lucy to get a copy of your book for me. She had a hard time finding it. No one that she asked had ever heard of Wiggly Wigglers. Can you imagine? Heaps of us in California know of Wiggly Wigglers. The very last day, a very discouraged Lucy was in the shop at RHS Wisley when she spotted it under a shelf inside a drawer at the back. 
there were two copies. At last I have one and I'm excited to sit down with a nice cuppa and read it. All the best, Patrice Reed in California. There you are. <laughs> well, there you are. Now, any other Californians listening, just order it from Wiggly Wigglers and we'll post it to you. It's no problem at all. Have no worries about us getting it to you. We will send it. And you're going to California soon. Shall I drop them off? I I'll drop them off. Anyone, <laughs> any podcast should, listener. I wonder if you should mention your route when you, you know, to, for the listener, because then you might get some invitations to stay in people's houses. Oh, fantastic. Nice home-cooked food. And, and that's how to get a Wiggly book and free. And meet some Wiggly podcast listeners on the old Western seaboard. That'll that be amazing, would be fan-dabby-dozy. Any podcast listener who would like me to stay for the evening, I will behave and I will bring you a tasty bit of milka before it gets banned and a free wiggly book in return for an evening at home with you. <laughs> free wiggly book? So how, how many books are you going to take in your suitcase then? Over to... I could post them on. Who cares? Who cares? Anyway, I really would like actually, to meet that, up with any that podcast that listeners. We could save a shilling or two actually because if uh, we if we yeah. got a crate and put Heather and the books in the crate, boxed her up, <laughs> send her air freight, that'd be much cheaper because yeah. when she gets on an airplane and she gets delving in them all them accoutrements and food and extras and so on, you know. Accoutrements. Expensive one to run, that one. Oh. If we crated her up, that'd keep her quiet. Absolutely rubbish. But I would like to see anybody's garden who would like to show it to me. I am starting in LA on the 25th of September. And I'm going to the podcast conference. So then from the 30th to the 15th of October, I'm kind of in and about California in my car. I've got in my mind Salmon Louise soft top, but I expect I'll end up with a Ford Granada. Or something similar. Yeah. New catalogue day is coming up and we usually call it a work of art. And this time it really is a work of art because on page 60, we have a Mary mosaic of beans and seeds. And I love it. It's very good, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, superb. Tell us about these beans and seeds, Rich, because you have found them, haven't you? Well, yeah, I, well, I, that's quite lucky. Really. I went down to the Marlborough Flower Show at the early part of this year and I met someone down there uh, who was uh, an organic grower producing English-grown seeds, vegetable seeds, lovely woman called Pippa, and uh, subsequently made a plant to supply some of her seed. I did buy some seed off her when I was down there for our garden at home, and I got some of the, some of the summer squashes at Courgettes, some of the Nero de Milano. Which you are, are, which are <laughs> Nero de, de, It's very difficult. He's I can't an have a problem with, with pronunciation there. Robert. Nero de Milano. Right. Um, but they're a nice incredibly tasty courgette I think everyone seems to have found them quite tasty oh I've had them and I, did, I followed your recipe with garlic and I grated it yeah. and it was absolutely yummy yeah, with a bit so of steak right, that's from quite local nice. farmer just up the road yeah, yeah. Mm. we had a courgette lasagna the night as well which is gorgeous so because we've been trying to eat we've eaten very little meat this year because we've had lots and lots of veggies so we've been eating trying to keep up with the vegetables in the garden which is working out really well at the moment. You're not so, becoming a vegetarian, are you? No, no, I don't think I'll be a vegetarian, but it's amazing how little meat we have eaten. We've eaten a lot of fish, because of course the summer I tend to catch a lot of fish as well to eat, so uh, that's working out rather well. Um, some of the sugar squashes, I've grown those, and they're quite, because squash plants are amazing, like triffids, you know, you need a lot of space for them, they just grow everywhere. And I planted them in different situations. 
some I, when I oddly when I had uh, treated my waste with bacassi earlier on I put them around uh, in the bean trenches after I but some of the seed from the last year's red onion squash has survived so I've got these squashes climbing up the bean frames as well as the runner beans but that's great because they'll thrive on the nitrogen that the bean roots are fixing and I've got some of Pippa's sugar squashes as well and they're growing everywhere and there's lovely little round chunky yellow squashes that will ripen to a deep orange uh, and they're gorgeous you know they're what gorgeous what do you do with those soups. I never know what to do with squash soups so, uh, squash soup so it makes a lot of squash soup nice hot squash soup but they're nice roasted with maple squash. syrup as well no. If you, if you, um, if you, what's that? Are you supposed to squash? No, squash? no, you don't need to squash it. It's very, I suppose it's called. It's, I suppose it's very soft, fleshy vegetable, anyway, isn't it? But it's really nice, roasted with some maple syrup as part of a, a you know, a Sunday roast or something like that. That's quite a, a, a nice way of doing it. No squashes have come. And no squashes. No, they're not ready yet. Autumn. Ah, yeah, right. autumn. So a bit later on, around about end of September. And sweet corn, I've grown some of uh, pepper oh. sweet corn, and that's looking, that's really, and I was kind of worried about that, because you know, it's so much rain, and sweet corn, you know, it thrives on sunshine. But, we've had, with that, that couple of weeks of sunshine that we've just had, prior to this recent deluge, I've really spurned it on, so there's some nice, the tassels are all coming, so I'm looking for some really tasty sweet corn. But actually, if you just pick it straight from the stem and eat it there, it's the most beautiful, sweet, flavoured goodie you'll ever eat. Fast food? And we often, yeah, fast food. And we often, when I'm fraping up to, through the vegetable patch to feed the chickens, I just grab a corn off the cob and just eat it there and then, you know, and chuck this kind of half-eaten corn in with ends. <laughs> that's, it's a fantastic way of eating. It's so, so good for you as well because, of course, you've got all the sugars. I mean, that's the thing with vegetables, really. The key is to pick them just before you're going to eat them because the sugar just deteriorates, turns into starch immediately after picking. So with anything at all, French beans or runner beans, you know, kidney beans, anything like that, pick it and cook them straight away. So what's the problem with that? Does it taste better if you pick it fresh? Or so what if the sugar turns to starch? It tastes a lot better. It's much sweeter. You've got that sweetness then, and that's what makes a vegetable. If you go into a supermarket, vegetables on the shelf for, you know, three or four days, the rubbish really. Um, That's why growing your own veggies is such a treat anyway. Not only are you providing for yourself, but of course you're growing something that is infinitely better than anything you could possibly buy. Even if it's organic and as fresh as it could be, it's not going to be as fresh as your own veggies. My mystery with veggies is, you know, when to plant them and how much do you have to prepare the soil? And what if you haven't got much space, which one to put in? It all seems so, such a mystery and other people come and pick holes in it, don't they? Yeah. You know, so you get people around your garden, yeah. and because it's a mystery, they take the mick of you, don't they? You know, yeah. They come around and <laughs> say, oh, you yeah, runner <laughs> beans aren't very good, are they? Yeah. And you're like, oh. And then they say, haven't you noticed that you've got carrot fly or something? Or can't you see you've got blight? And you're, you're thinking, yeah. oh, I just wanted, them, I just wanted I, to I, plant I, them I, and I, I them to get grow. <laughs> yeah, well, don't you? <laughs> No, that's because no one ventures up to my veggie patch. I was going to say, is but, that because you're nodding well, nearly? Yeah, that's, that's what it is. <laughs> but we, we've got, um, I mean, we've got, uh, our vegetable patch is terraced, so it's on a, on a, on a bank. And I te- it was on a slope, and then I, so I sort of terraced it. Um, it's much easier to get around. Also, you don't have to tread on the beds, little windy paths between the beds, which reduces the need for tillage. But it's so easy. And actually, with green manure, that's another thing we'll be uh, selling through the weekly catalogue, is, is green manure as a, a grazing rye. You can quite literally sow it now. This time of year, sow it after your potatoes have come out. Really, there's a lot of things. You, you take your onions and your garlic out now. They're all out. So they can be replaced with some grazing rye. And you just sow it, and it fixes the nitrates. 
and you can just dig it in. You dig it over, lift it over in sort of February time and dig it in and it uh, negates the, the need for the horse. You don't need to put horse manure on the ground and, it, and also because it excludes weeds. So that's why I quite like it. See, there's a book I've been looking at which I think takes a lot of this mystery out because you've just added another mystery there of green manure, haven't you? You know, when am I going to do that? How yeah. much? But there's this great book by Carol Klein called That's Grow Your Own Veg. Yeah. Have you seen it? Yeah, definitely. It's a really good book. And yeah. it's a good book, actually. It's not, um, it's very well written because I think Carol Klein's quite grounded and so completely unpretentious. So uh, I like her jacket. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure about her voice, but... <laughs> 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 yeah, but her jacket's cool. Yeah, yeah. She's a, but she's uh, she is really informative. It's a good yeah. book. It's well written and well worth a read, really. So we'll review we're kind of that. that as well, aren't we? Yeah, Once yeah, we we've do got so we some tips our like chocolate in right. to be able to do the chocolate rating. Right, right. So we'll review Carol Klein's book, Grow Your Own Veg, at that point. I'll tell you what we could do as well sometime. I don't know whether we'll have a chance, but what we could do is buy some supermarket veg and then perhaps cook up something simple like a supermarket courgette and a, and a, and a, a fishbone courgette or a, and, and some supermarket runner beans, fishbone runner beans. And then if we have a taster with us three, just have that be, that'll be ideal. Fantastic. That'll be quite cool. See if it works. It'd be bloody embarrassing if the supermarket was so used. Oh, yeah, this is a nice one. Oh, you can see why people like Hugh Fernley like, watch there, guests. You know, you've got to pick the right one because, you know, yeah, this would well, be so embarrassing if, if that happens, right we'll just edit over it. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> of course that won't happen. No. Now we've got Alison coming up in a moment with Plants of the Week, which I can't wait for because it's a smelly one. Anything else you want to tell me about your veggies? Well, one thing that I've been doing a lot of this year, there seems to be tons and tons of caterpillars at the moment. So I've been going up squishing caterpillars. And there's two... Is that a technical term? Different, no, no, it's quite <laughs> simple. You just you get your wire mesh off your cabbages to, yes. to, that's there to stop the pigeons, but it's not quite... The, the mesh size is, is too large to stop the caterpillars, to stop the cabbage white butterflies going on there. So, of course, I've got a rummage in amongst and it's, you know, I've got these lovely big purple hearts on the red cabbage coming. And I've noticed that on the outside, these little pests have been munching away right into the hearts. They don't just eat, they don't eat the, the gash leaves on the bottom. They, they want the best bit as well. Typical. So I've been there squishing and squishing caterpillars in, in some respects is quite rewarding. But there are points like, for instance, when the juice squishes and goes in your eye. That's, <laughs> really, that's quite annoying. Why don't you feed them to the chickens? Yeah, well, I've been feeding them to the chickens. And also I've been making this kind of caterpillar soup to use as a, as a, as a sort of fertiliser. So, you know, give it, give it, oh, give it a trial against the cashews. We're not tasting that, then. Say, no, no, we've been eating that. No, no. no. That's, that's purely for the benefit of the tomatoes. <laughs> so um, what are you doing with it? Yeah, but there's this... <laughs> There's two types of caterpillars. Now, for the, for the, for the benefit of the listener, I know the one is this kind of mottled black and green caterpillar. Now, I've I know seen him. that's a large white. I've seen him. I know those, those, yeah, we know those that's everywhere. Easy. There's another caterpillar on there, completely green. They're equally as numerous. I don't know what they are. I don't know whether they're perhaps the small white or whether they're some type of moth caterpillar. I mean, they, their fate is the same as the, as the cabbage white. Could you not nurture but, some for the programme? Yeah, well, I suppose I could do. I'd have to, have to quarantine them, wouldn't I? Yeah. I, I wouldn't want any of the, I wouldn't want any escapees. Really Maybe a shoebox. My, my plant. Structure. Perhaps I should. Perhaps, 
Yes, I should rig something up. Yeah. Yeah. And then we can just hatch the suckers out and see what they are. I think that's a good yeah, idea. Yeah. And the other thing is, Richard, that it seems to me that your attitude to pest control is you love them when they're in my garden. So the <laughs> hornet's nest in my garden is absolutely wonderful. And you yeah. wax lyrical about it and write an article for Wave magazine, how wonderful it is to see all these bugs and <laughs> things in right. Heather's garden. Yeah. But in your garden, yeah. you have wasp nests. And first of all, you blow it up. <laughs> and second of all, you have a few caterpillars <laughs> on your cabbages, which yeah. you spend your life uh, uh, squishing. Yeah, that's right. It is, it's a difficult one, isn't it? The balance. No, oh, yeah, it's very the, difficult. The, yeah. <laughs> I'll well, have the pests and you have the veggies. There doesn't seem to be many uh, natural allies around this year because previous years I've seen little tiny parasitic wasps laying their eggs inside the caterpillars and I've kind of left the caterpillars and they've died out quite nicely. But this year I know for a fact that... I mean, I've even planted loads of dummies around like nasturtiums and whatnot to try and draw the butterflies away. But they're as inundated with caterpillars as the brassicas. So yeah, lots of squishing going on. There's something I've been doing. Terry Walton said, soak rhubarb leaves in water so in a copper i put all these rhubarb leaves lots and lots of water and i've got a, an old lid from a 40 gallon drum painted it black so it absorbs lots of heat and put that on the top of the copper and i've got this simmering mass of hideousness in the copper and i've been pouring that onto the brassicas and it's re-stimulated their growth but i've got to say it's done all to keep the caterpillars off <laughs> but they love the nutrient in it what about your new DE, um, what, I can't say it. Oh, diatomaceous earth. Yeah, would that do anything? Uh, it, it, it probably would do, um, but the trouble is, again, it would just wash off because of all the rain. But it probably would, I'm just wondering, it probably, yeah, it'd be worth a try, actually. I might, uh, if we get another dry period, I think I'll just squirt it on some caterpillars, just to see if it has an effect. But and the top few uses of... Diatomaceous earth? earth. Well, they're great for chicken houses because they bump off the mites of the chicken house. So if you've got one of those little puffer bottles, only a couple of quid, aren't they? You just quite literally puff some of this powder in the nooks and crannies of a chicken house. A couple any, of quid? Any mites. This is Wiggly Wigglers. Yeah, that's true. Oh, it's yeah, got to be a tenner, <laughs> else it's not worth putting in the catalogue. Let me see. How much, how much is it? A couple of quid. I hope you haven't got that <laughs> by me. I think I might be slightly... I, I might be... I might be... My couple of quid is a euphemism, isn't it? Oh, that's all right then. I was going to say, because it's not it's worth quid. posting I mean, a couple not, of quid. It, it means not that expensive. Yes, yeah, so I should look it up. Yeah. Carry on. Yeah. Yes, you um, puff it where... And, and, you can, and it kills all the red spider mites and whatnot. The reason that I wanted it originally was to squirt in the wormery to see if it could reduce the fruit fly populations without hurting the worms. £4.50. Right, a couple of quid. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. Uh, uh, so that's, uh, that's, yeah, that's, that's good stuff. That really is a good all-rounder. But it's also good to put in uh, chicken feed. Stop the chickens getting worms. It's a relatively inexpensive additive of your you know, chicken feed along with your, your bakashi. I saw some Rhode Island red chickens at Hay. Were they handsome? Wow! Mm. They were whoppers. Really? They were at least 400 mil long. Right. Whoppers! Right. I so really wanted them. Hens or cockerels? Yeah, yeah, hens. Yeah. I didn't know they were that big. They, it's a shame, actually, because if I'd have known you were going up there to, to, uh, to, and you'd seen some decent Rhode Island reds, because I want two Rhode Island red hens for my uh, light Sussex cockerel because I want to get oh. a really good cross for meat. Really? Yeah, Rhode Island and a, and a, and a, and a light Sussex, a, good, a really good meat bird. Oh, that's so. a shame, but I couldn't have brought them to you because I was in that posy convertible car. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah, no, yeah. It wouldn't have been quite the thing. Yeah, yeah BMW Roadsters don't really double up <laughs> as a chicken carrier's like. Z4, but it's yeah. not mine okay. in case any listener thinks it is. Right, right I'm going to get Alison for Plant of the Week. Okay. I'll be gone in a minute. I'll be back. 
Alison has joined us. Welcome, Alison. Hello. And just before Richard asks us all about Plant of the Week, there's two things that I'd like to share with you. First of all, for those of you who are listening earlier and heard the facts come in and wondered what it was, I found it. And it was a collection note for winter wheat and there's 29 tonnes to go out to CPP Twyford. So that little mystery's been cleared up. Anyway, Alison's here with Plant of the Week. Over to you, Ricardo, because I know that you went to Alison's to do an interview yeah. with Alison and there was a bit of a... Ooh, moment. Well, we, we, uh, we didn't manage to link up, did we, Al? <laughs> no, I wasn't in the right county, I'm afraid, Rich. I did leave a message. One of those things, <laughs> anyway. But we were, wanted to talk, uh, what we wanted to do is do a little thing and look, talk, look, look at honeysuckle growing the hedges, didn't we? Yeah, and especially by us, because we've got like loads of it. We've got really old hedges yeah. down our lane, and right. it's just it's so lovely this time of year. But yeah. you want to be quick, Rich, or are you going to miss it? Well, uh, hopefully we can sort something out next week. But the, uh, honeysuckle, out. A beautiful native, sweet-smelling gem of a plant. Yeah, it's in the hedges at, in, at the moment, in full flower. It does ramble through the hedges and looks absolutely stunning this time of year. Right. And then when the um, flowers go over, they, it turns to um, a nice red berry. Bullfinches absolutely right. love the berries. Right. So if you right. want to attract bullfinches into your garden, then you want to plant a honeysuckle, really. It is one of our new plants coming in this next catalogue go right. girl go uh, so yeah. you can, so you can <laughs> how, long, how long you know are they slow growing or are they, are they quick I mean, they're, no, they're, they're very they're, quick they're, growing they're kind of and they going. will grow up to sort of 20 foot if you let it you just need to keep trimming it back but it's, they, ju- it's very controllable it's they not, do better don't they if they're cut back a bit hard anyway, if you cut them back hard they'll, they'll spring out new shoots which yeah. always look nicer than the old stemmy growth yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely absolutely mm. and the red berries and I think uh, they're quite a significant part of the diet for dormice as well aren't they Oh, are they? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they do. You know, dormice are a little bit partial to honey, so quite an important feature in woodland, really, if there are any dormice around, because they tend not to get the opportunity to eat many hazelnuts and things like that, because the grey squirrels eat them all, of course. Yeah, but um, the, um, the flowers are supposed to have the sweetest and best scent of all British native flowers. British wildflowers. Right, right. Mm. That is a thing with honeysuckle. You can, it, it has a very dense scent. And if there's, if there's, you, you, you know, you're kind of wandering past the hedgerow or something on a relatively windless evening, you can you walk through this thick, sweet smell. And it is gorgeous. Yeah, and it attracts uh, moths and things, all sorts of things at night, because that's right. when the scent is at its highest. Oh, right. is it? Mm. In the evening? In the evening, yeah. Lovely. Many breeds of cat react to the scent of honeysuckle. Really? Yes. Many breeds of cat. Yes, they like to pour, lick or rub against it. Really? And they're bre- different breeds of a domestic cat. Obviously. Really? The wood of honeysuckle. I thought they were honeys- all the <laughs> same. I thought they were all just uh, vermin. What do you think <laughs> Noah is? What do you think Noah is? Noah is uh, her Burmese. <laughs> um, the wood contains nepotalactone, which is the active ingredient found in catnip. Ah, good lord. Mmm. There you go, Rich. You can buy some seems you don't like cats. Absolutely. No, I've got a shotgun. <laughs> it, it makes cats growl and meow. It only lasts for a few minutes before the cat loses interest. Sorry. There you are. <laughs> Alison, when is a good time to plant honeysuckle? Well, if you're planting a, a native hedge, you can do it this autumn. OK. So it rambles up within the hedge, or you can always, because it supplies a pot plant, you can add it all year round, really. Right, right. But if you're doing a hedge, then you want to do it at the does same it need time. A, I think it's quite a robust, isn't it? So does it need a lot of moisture? Does it need um, it likes care? moisture, well-drained soil and full sun. 
So a sunny spot. Yeah, nice sunny spot. Excellent. And can you have it kind of? I mean, it loses its foliage in the winter time, so it's something that perhaps you could have growing up a trellis on the side of that. Yeah, it's good for ground cover or covering spaces in the garden that look a bit ugly or over a garden shed, that sort of thing. I know where I'm going to put one, Al. Oh, where? Over the top of the greenhouse because they've measured the greenhouse to the wrong height, so it's slightly higher than the wall. Yeah. So could I put it over the top of the wall? Yeah, go over there. Plant it now in the autumn. Yeah. It'll be rambling well over there next summer. Right, I'll do it. Is that all right, Rich? Can yeah, I do it there? Yeah, it'd be great, yes. Nice shady greenhouse. <laughs> <laughs> no, I meant around the back. <laughs> <laughs> it is with shade of that greenhouse. <laughs> it's bloody hot in there. <laughs> oh, you should have measured it right then, shouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> Nothing to do with me, honey. Oh, if you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you've got to go to iTunes. Otherwise, if you go to Facebook, you can just click and listen. And now we've updated every single chapter on the Wiggly podcasts in www.wigglywigglers.co.uk forward slash podcasts. And that means that you can go and find any little specific bit that you really enjoyed in the Wiggly podcast over the last 98. So, enjoy. It's goodbye from me, Heather, at Lower Blakemere. And goodbye from me. And bye from me. And goodbye from me. Bye. Phil looked really tired today. When I saw him in his office earlier on, he was there contemplating his navel. And I said, yeah, Phil, you look quite tired. He does look tired. He does. But I can actually give you the secret of his tiredness. Right. It's not that Farmer Phil has been combining into the night. No. It's not that Farmer Phil has been, you know, tending his stock till midnight. No, no. It's that last evening I said to Farmer Phil... Time for bed, as I do. <laughs> yeah, well. Just get the Horlicks. And I said, get the hot water bottles. <laughs> Just need to get the uh, check rug out, put it over the end of the bed. Jimmy Jammers, nothing happened. Does Phil wear pyjamas? Phil <laughs> <laughs> checks pyjamas. <laughs> no, anyway, and this morning, he was there, and I said, well, you didn't come to bed then. Obviously he did, because he was there. <laughs> And he said, no, no, I, um, I was rather busy. I said, what were you doing? He said, hmm, I was just catching up on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> God, That's actually a bit of input from Farmer Phil on Facebook. It'd be great. Did yes. you go on the discussion board? I've been on the discussion board for weeks, Ricardo. Have no, you not been paying attention? We've no had a, a lively foot-and-mouth discussion on there. <laughs> Is it? I must have missed that one. Yeah, so, so dear listener, this will be a couple of weeks ago from you, but... Uh, it's, um, here we are. Well, I'll be interested to see what you've put then. <laughs> well, if, if you <laughs> caught up on Facebook, Rich, you'd find out, mate. So there's an interesting foot and mouth discussion um, in... Um... Oh, the fuse has blown. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we did so well, it's all suddenly ground to a halt.